All right, well, good evening, everybody. My name is uh, Josh Daggett. I'm the lead pastor at Living Waters Fellowship on the south side, and this chair and table thing will be a little bit difficult for me on Sunday mornings. I'm, I'm a fairly active and energetic preacher, so if I get up and start running around, that's probably why. It's because I just, I can't stay seated uh, too long. Anyway, um, I want to open our time with uh, scripture reading prayer and then uh, just some opening comments. The topic that we're going to be discussing tonight is God calling me to some kind of full-time ministry. And so we're talking about um, your guys' value statement, Jesus sent me to live on mission so I will make disciples as I go. Talking about specifically the context of full-time ministry. Um, If you're called, yes, how do you know? If not, you know, um, how do I you know, how do I know that I'm not called? And I know that many of you might be wrestling through that. Some of you might be really working through that passionately and personally in your own life. So let's um, open our time with some reading from God's Word. Second Corinthians chapter 2. If you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open it up there. Second Corinthians chapter 2. And I'm going to get up and read this and then um, pray and then we'll dig in. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 14. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, But thanks be to God, who always puts us on display in Christ, and through us spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For to God, we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved, And among those who are perishing, to some we are an aroma of death leading to death, but to others an aroma of life leading to life. And who is competent for this? For we are not like many who market or peddle God's message for profit. On the contrary, we speak with sincerity in Christ as from God and before God. Praise God for his word. Amen. Let's, uh, let's open our time in prayer. Father, thank you for the incredible privilege, Lord, that it is to study and know your word. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to dig in to a subject that no doubt, Lord, some in this room are thinking about deeply. Some are contemplating maybe for the first time. And for some, this topic is in the rearview mirror for sure. And uh, Lord, I'm asking that you through the Holy Spirit, Father, would communicate your truth to people's hearts and minds. And Lord, may we um, see you, Jesus, and love you and worship you and make appropriate choices, Lord, regarding the topic of study that we have tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we get started, um, Sailorville Church, (laughs) you guys are amazing. All I can say is thank you. And thank you some more, and thank you some more, and thank you some more. You blew us away with your harvest offering gift a couple weeks ago. And and on behalf of my entire church, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of our heart. Um, We announced our number last week, and I kid you not, church, there were squeals. (laughs) There were lots of gasps. (gasps) And I thought we were going to get charismatic with like fainting and, you know, (laughs) rolling up and down aisles and stuff like that. 
Got a little charismatic up in that gym. But your guys' gift of over $140,000 absolutely blew us away. And you, you won't know probably until heaven um, how much that meant to our, our church, to our body. And, and I pray that someday you, you'll see it. So we are diligently working on a video, um, a thank you video that hopefully you'll have in January um, to just get a little glimpse of our gratitude to you guys. But it has literally um, springboarded momentum. Momentum was good before. Um, and we had purchased our property and our land debt-free to the glory of God the week before um, Thanksgiving. And your guys' gift absolutely has springboarded momentum into overdrive. And so we look forward to being wise stewards of, that, of those funds that you guys have given us to see God really work in a great way. And we're going to be sending pictures and videos and all that stuff, everything that we can do to communicate our gratitude to you. So thank you so much. Thank you very much as a, as a church from Living Waters to you. So to the topic at hand, is God calling me to some kind of full-time ministry? If not, why not? And if so, how do I know? Um, I'm not guaranteeing tonight is going to be a magic pill for you uh, where you're looking you know, for some answers regarding you know, full-time ministry and the dream of ministry or, or whatever that looks like. I'm not guaranteeing you that I have the answers. I certainly do not. Um, but God's word should move you in a direction that should really help you. Um, and, and when I say full-time ministry, I don't mean just pastors. I, I think we're talking about pastors for sure, but we're talking about full-time people in the church at Sailorville and, and, and beyond. We're also talking about missionaries. We're talking about those of you who feel called by God to lay your life down um, outside of the United States of America, potentially, as a, as a foreign missionary. We're also talking about anybody that is in any kind of context that is um, um, like parachurch, nonprofit world where you are laying your life down for the gospel. And so I want to just talk about some resources really quick before we dig into Scripture. Um, these are some resources that I would encourage you to read. They have been very helpful to me in my life. I've handed these resources out to a lot of individuals over the last decade or so, and they've been very helpful. Um, the first one is Found God's Will by John MacArthur. Um, ha how many have read that book? Okay, all right, me and Pastor Pat. Very good, all right. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would really encourage you to pick up this book. If you're wondering what God's will is for your life, specifically, could be your job, could be ministry, could be something, pick up a copy of this book. I've given out at least a hundred of these at Living Waters over the years, and I would highly recommend you read this resource. It'll help you greatly as you determine what God's calling you to be and do. Um, the second one is Am I Called by Dave Harvey, and that's another good resource to determine. Um, that's kind of a, more of a specific pastoral book, and so if you're thinking about the pastorate, that would be a, a really great read. Um, Brothers, We Are Not Professionals by John Piper. Um, I think Pat has mentioned this at some of our engage meetings. I've, I've read this book many times, and I, um, I agree with Pat. It's one of the most underrated books that Piper has ever written. And if you're thinking about ministry on any level, this book is a must-read. You have to have this book in your um, bookshelf, reading it, processing it. 
Um, the next resource that I would recommend is Lectures to My Students. This is by Charles Spurgeon, who is my personal hero in ministry and um, a guy that I read every single week, um, multiple times a week. This is a great read if you are thinking about any kind of ministry setting at all. And even if you're not, Spurgeon will just absolutely bless you. I've got a couple quotes from him that I'm going to use from this book um, in tonight's talk. So that would be another um, really good resource as well. Um, and then the last one here is David. This is uh, the Charles Swindoll series. I don't know if you guys have ever read Charles Swindoll's series. This was a really big series about 15 years ago. Um, he did a character sketch, character studies on all these different Bible characters. David is one that I would highly recommend. If you're, if you're looking towards ministry or trying to determine what God wants you to do and be, David, is a, this is a great read and, and probably would really help you. Okay, so let's define some terms. If you have your notes and your note takers, awesome. If not, um, you guys can just follow along with me, you know, with your eyes. But if you're thinking through full-time ministry, we need to define what full-time ministry is. And that's kind of tricky because some of you, um, I, some of you, I'm trying to think how to say this, some of you I don't want to encourage. I don't want to encourage some of you to be full-time ministry people. Okay, so like it's a tricky subject because sometimes you're really zealous and you want to be in full-time ministry and, and, and it's just the best thought that you can ever have, and, 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 but your gifts don't necessarily match up to be in full-time ministry. So I, I do want to discourage you tonight, okay, if you're in that area. And that sounds really bad, but I am saying it in love to save you some pain and to save some some of your future ministry potential things in, um, just to save you from that pain. Also, I want to encourage those of you who are being called by God to be a missionary, to be a pastor, to be a full-time ministry worker of some kind. And so I want to absolutely do a great job of trying to discourage and encourage at the same time. So help me God. And as we look at the scriptures um, hopefully we can, uh, we can find a good balance. So my definition, as far as I'm concerned, and again, Pat can, he can, and the pastors here, you guys can funnel it in if, if you disagree with anything I'm going to say. But I'd say full-time missionary or full-time ministry is to be in a position through your gift set or through your gifting to give the majority of your hours each week to an organization that honors the kingdom of God, and to be financially compensated for those hours on some level. Okay, so, so everybody's a missionary. Like everybody, and again, I don't want to get, be misinterpreted tonight by saying everybody that just has what we would say is a, quote, secular job isn't doing ministry, because I totally don't believe that. I believe that every single person, if you are here and you have a job or you have a role in some organization, you are a missionary and you are a full-time ministry worker in that sense. Does that make sense? So I want to encourage everybody to keep sharing the gospel, everybody to continue to doing ministry in your context that you're at now. But what I'm saying is that full-time ministry, when you think about um, specifically giving your hours during the week toward the kingdom of God and an organization that honors that in a specific way, that is a, that is a massive, massive consideration for your life. And, and I think that we would be very wise to take it very seriously. Spurgeon said this. He said, do not enter ministry if you can help it. 
He says, if anyone in this room could be content to be a newspaper editor or a grocer or a farmer or a doctor or a lawyer or a senator or a king, in the name of heaven and earth, let him go that way. So Spurgeon it actually says, if you can help it, stay out of ministry. And I think it's a wise move be, for him to say that because there are so many things that come with walking into a ministry context that you're just not necessarily anticipating, and there is spiritual warfare that goes on in a pastor's world or in a full-time ministry worker's world that you're just not used to, and, and Spurgeon's trying to save you some pain. And in my own life, for sure, I swore, I swore I would never be a pastor. Never. Isn't that funny? I, if there was one thought growing up, my, mo, my mom was a saved Lutheran, and my dad was a, was a Bible-beaten Baptist, and they got married and, and, and had four kids, and I was the second out of four kids. And I, my mom was always like, Josh, I, I think you might be a pastor. And I'm like, no, mom, no. I'm never going to wear a suit and preach and, you know, the piano and the organ and the Baptist setting that we had growing up. Never! Ah, be careful what you tell God you'll never do. Um, I wanted to be a pro basketball player. That's what I wanted to be. And then I discovered that I was six feet tall and white and I couldn't dunk. <laughs> so that ended that dream pretty quickly. And as I was graduating high school, I, I wanted to be a sports announcer because I was sports obsessed. That was my, that was my um, area that I really loved more than anything else. So I wanted to be a sports announcer. Hello, Chris Hassel and all these other, you know, Keith Murphy and all the local guys, you know. And, and I was a communications major. I had met Jesus at 17 years old, gotten saved. Um, and I was being discipled by my youth pastor. And I was going to Grandview University just down the street here on a full-ride basketball scholarship. And I thought, good, free school, basketball, and sports radio. This is great. Um, but God... God had radically different, you know, goals for me. I, I did not envision myself as a pastor. I didn't view myself as a pastor. I never sought ambition towards that. But as I was discipled, I began to esteem the office of pastor more highly. Does that make sense? Like, as I grew in Christ, I began to really esteem pastors and I think that's what we do as humans when we see religious leaders, especially spiritual fathers and, and, and people who love Christ and they're leading, you just begin to esteem the office higher. And I was, that was happening to, happening to me in a very abnormal way. I was growing in Christ in the Word all the time, and I was becoming obsessed with the Scriptures. And so I'll, I'll never forget it. We were on the on a trip home from Briarcliff University in Sioux City, Iowa, and I was a freshman at Grandview, and we had gotten beat by 25 points on the road, and uh, my coach had called me a walking turnover at halftime. <laughs> he got so angry, they had, his face was red, and his hair was white, and the vein right here was like really big. <laughs> Dang it, you're a walking turnover! I know. I am. 
And so I'm, I'm driving home, though. We're in the bus, and I'm obsessed with the Bible. I mean, I'm reading the Bible all the time. And I don't know what that means. I just know that I love Jesus. And, and all my teammates are in the back drinking hard liquor and just getting absolutely roasted back there. And I'll never forget, I was reading um, the book of Acts, and I was reading through Paul's journeys. And I'm the only guy. There was one other guy. He was kind of like an intellectual dork on our team. So he wasn't drinking, and I wasn't drinking. And that was it. Everybody else is getting wasted. And I'm reading the scriptures, and I'm watching Paul. I'm like, this guy is amazing. Like, he is pouring out his life for the gospel. And it was almost like Jesus himself at that moment spoke to me. You ever had those moments before? A holy moment, like Pat said. And it was like Christ said to me, Josh, you're going to use your life for my glory. That's all I knew. I didn't know that meant ministry. I just knew that Jesus was calling me to serve him with my life, whatever that looked like. And that was the beginning of thinking about transferring. That was when I first started to think about transferring from Grandview to a different um, place. And, and, and so that led to Faith Baptist Bible College, and there's a long story there that I won't bore you with. But I swore I would never be a pastor. And here's, here's what I want to just walk through. And you have this, we're gonna, let's walk through some scriptures and just get a balanced view of what it means to be full-time and what it means to consider those things. So, Because it's easy to get out of balance. So what examples does the Bible give anyway? What, is the, what examples does the Scripture, the inspired text of Scripture, what do they give us regarding examples of full-time ministry? Well, I would say there's a variety of examples. And you can jot that down in your notes. There's a variety of examples of callings to full-time vocational ministry. Um, there's not one prepackaged way to enter into ministry and to exit out of ministry or to be called. There, there seems to be in Scripture an incredible variety of ways that individuals are called to serve God with their lives. So you have Moses. Moses was a full-time shepherd. All right, He was a former um, child of, the, of the, you know, the Egyptian kingdom. And then he's a full-time shepherd running around for 40 years, chasing after sheep, and he gets called in a very specific way in Exodus chapter 3, and you can read it in Exodus 3, 4, 5, about how he's called to be the leader of Israel and a libertarian. Like he just, full time, this is your new gig. That's a big deal. Going from watching sheep to watching people and watching over a million people. And so Moses had that type of call. You have Old Testament priests Old Testament priests who were in full-time um, employment, if you will, of, of the nation of Israel. So they were full-time representatives for Israel to God. And that started with Aaron. And then that, that led into the priesthood as we see it developed later on into the New Testament. So you can, in, in and out through the Old Testament, excuse me. And so you can read about that in Exodus 33 through 37. You see David. King David, and that's where I think Swindoll's book would be really good for you to pick up a copy of that and read it. David was a full-time teenage shepherd turned king. And you can read about his calling in 1 Samuel 16. I mean, in, da in 1 Samuel 16, David's an afterthought. All right? He's an afterthought. 
He's not even one of the primary brothers that are being considered by Samuel and his dad. And, and, and he's like, is there anybody else? You got any other sons? Well, just the, I mean, just the youngest, just David. He's out in the, you know, the fields watching over the sheep. Well, go get him. Go get him. And all of a sudden, you know, God's hand is on David in an incredible way. And so you have David, who's a full-time shepherd turned king. You have Jonah and Jeremiah who are full-time prophets, and those are examples of just guys that are like full-time. All they do is prophesy for the nation of Israel um, from God to the nation. And you have Peter in the New Testament as you kind of progress through the scriptures. Peter was a full-time fisherman who turned disciple, who turned apostle. And Peter, you see just in this context where he's an incredible Fisherman carrying on his dad's business, and all of a sudden Jesus calls him, and then he's a vagabond follower of Christ for three years, and then all of a sudden he's the lead apostle. And I don't think Peter probably envisioned his life turning out quite the way it did, but by the grace of God, you know, he was saved and, and was turned. So you also have Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus. So uh, I, I did, I am going to make you spell Epaphroditus. So. Um, you have Paul, Timothy, Epaphrodite. These are just a few examples um, in the book of Philippians. And you can find Epaphroditus and Timothy listed in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. And you see like Paul's life as an example of a guy who, when he does volunteer ministry as a church planter, he'll do volunteer ministry, whatever it takes to plant a church. And then he'll go part-time. Then he'll go full-time. Then he'll go back to volunteer. The Apostle Paul is like the ultimate um, chameleon in ministry. Whatever color he's got to turn, he's going to turn that color regarding his pay, regarding his compensation, regarding his heart for the ministry, regarding planting churches, no matter what city he's in. You see Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus and others taking on a variety of seasons in their life, whether it's part-time, volunteer, or full-time. So, there's just some examples in the scripture of what it, of, of that the Bible gives regarding full-time ministry. So, secondly, what lies are circulating? What lies are circulating about full-time ministry? I just want to talk about two. Uh, there's a couple ditches that we should avoid, and I, I'm glad Pat mentioned ditches earlier. Um, there's a couple ditches we need to avoid, and there are some common ones. Now, there's a lot more than two, but I'm just going to share a couple. We had just uh, around the block from our house, there's a, there's a really narrow road, um, and alongside that road is a really deep ditch, and on the other side is a really deep ditch, and we saw a SUV um, go into that ditch just the other day. And Tabitha um, is probably one of our most vocal daughters. And so we got into the car and we, we turned around this corner to this road. And Tabby's like, Dad, Dad, did you see, did you see the car in the ditch? And I said, yeah, I, I did. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Amazing's a word, sweetheart. I don't know if that's the word I'd use. And She's like, have you ever seen that before? <laughs> you know how your kids are just, they're awesome. I'm like, yeah, I've seen a few cars in the ditch, sweetheart, over my time as an adult. And she's like, well, it's just, how are they going to get it out? You know, like, she's just like enamored with this car in the ditch. They got it out, you know, a couple days later. And I, the reason I, I bring it up is there's a couple ditches. Like, if we're driving our car 
Um, and the road is called full-time ministry as a topic of discussion. There's a couple ditches that we would need to avoid. And here's one. Um, lie number one, or ditch that we should avoid, is the quote, and I'm sure you've heard it before, maybe you've even said it, I'll finally be happy and fulfilled when I'm in full-time ministry. So I don't know if you've ever said that. Maybe you've thought that. Maybe someone's told you that. Maybe you've heard that. I'll finally be happy, and I'll finally be fulfilled in my life when I'm in full-time ministry. I just want to tell you with love, no, you won't. You will not be happy and fulfilled in ministry once you get there. I will say this, you'll be as happy in ministry as you are right now in your relationship with Jesus. You will be as happy in ministry as you are right now in your relationship with Christ. Psalm 16, have you guys ever read Psalm 16 before? Verse 11 says this, it says, in your fullness, O God, is, in, in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Do you notice what David did not say in Psalm 16? Oh God, in full-time ministry there is fullness of joy, and at the right hand of full-time ministry is pleasures forevermore. I think you could interview Pastor Pat, Pastor Abe, Pastor Brad, Pastor Jason, anybody else, and they will tell you the reality that full-time ministry does not guarantee personal happiness. Your relationship with Jesus Christ determines your happiness. And I would just say, if you have believed that lie, that somehow ministry is this um, you know, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, you just need to stop it. Just stop believing it, because ministry will bring you absolutely none of that if you're not close with Christ. Jesus will bring you joy. Jesus, his presence will bring you fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And Philippians 4.12, the Apostle Paul said that he's learned, he's learned in every single circumstance how to be content. I think as a, as a pastor on the south side of Des Moines, um, you know, I've learned this over the last nine years, that God is the, the only person that's going to satisfy my heart. You know, and, and I was talking to Chuck DeClean right before we um, started the service here and you know, here were, here, were my, here were my calls yesterday. I wanted you guys to hear about my evangelistic calls yesterday. I went up Southeast 24th Street, which is a new development in our neighborhood, and I go up, and up through this neighborhood. I had 11 houses that I knocked on the door for, and I was just handing out Christmas flyers. We had different teams out in the neighborhoods and handing out flyers. And, and here's how it went. Not home, not home. Hindu, Hindu, Hispanic, Hispanic, not home, not home, Hindu, white person, not home, Hispanic. Those were my calls yesterday. And as I'm talking to Hindus, all right, we have so many Hindus moving into the southeast side of Des Moines, it is not even funny. It's unbelievable how many Hindus are moving into our neighborhood via Utah, of course, right? It makes no sense. And so I'm talking to, I knock on the door. This lady comes, this little girl, she's probably 10 years old. She comes to the door. Hi. And I'm just like, hi, I'm Josh. I'm from Living Waters Fellowship. We're, uh, we're a church. We just want to, we're wishing everybody a Merry Christmas. And I said, so here's an invitation to our church. And she's like, Christmas? And I said, yeah. 
And she's like, we don't celebrate Christmas. <laughs> and so down come mom and dad down the stairs. And mom has one of those Hindu gold bugs, you know, that come out of her nose, like a nose ring. And <laughs> that's my technical um, hyper-professional description of what was going on. And, and the guy is like, okay, 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 no, no, have a good day, sir, have a good, you know, I'm like, like, ah, no. But three houses later, the other Hindu families that I was talking to, I talked to a guy named Dodi, Dodi. And we talked for about 15, 20 minutes, had a great conversation. And for us, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I've got to figure this out, how to, have, how to have this conversation finished up well. And he said, Josh, Josh, hey, Merry Christmas. You know, I probably messed up the thing, the uh, <laughs> pronunciation and all that. But he's a Merry Christmas, you know. And I walked away, and I'm, I'm, I'm white, I'm an American, you know. And all of these cultural changes and shifts, like all over our South side are so pronounced. And we've got, we've got like Hispanic ministry that started on Thursday nights. It's growing. It's incredible. I'm learning Spanish. It's fantastic. It's all good. But in the midst of the challenges, like the, just the challenges of cultural barriers and figuring out, God, how do we cross this cultural barrier? Because I want to win. You know, I want to win. I want to win people to Jesus. I don't want to sit around and say, ah, oh, they're Hindu. I can't reach them. I want to reach them, you know? And there's a weight there on me as the lead pastor of my church. And I'm thinking, God, give me grace. And in the midst of that, the fullness of joy is not found in ministry. The fullness of joy is found in resting in the God of the Bible. And I would just say that, that you're not going to find fullness of joy and be happy until actually you find your joy in God, not ministry. Um, line number two, all full-time gospel ministers are frauds, phonies, and disconnected from real gospel ministry. I've heard that a lot over the last 10 years that, you know, full-time guys, you're just, you're, you're, you're frauds, you're phonies, you're disconnected, you're peddlers of God's word, which is 2 Corinthians 2. And I would say this, some pastors for sure and ministry workers are lazy and aloof and disconnected from the gospel. And I think that is definitely a true statement. But I would say most pastors and most full-time ministry workers that you know have had to live, work, and rub shoulders with sinners long before they ever got into ministry. And um, I would just say that don't believe that lie. That's another ditch to say that my pastor can't relate to me. I think Pastor Pat and your pastoral, pastoral staff here are fantastic people. And they, they have had testimonies of faith where they have lived in the world. And now they're winning the world for Christ. Praise the Lord. And so I think that we need to avoid that ditch as well. So let's, let's scoot right along here. What are the characteristics of a called person? So if you're thinking through this full-time ministry thing and you're saying, what, what's the characteristics that I should be looking for in myself um, for, to be called into full-time ministry? I would say this. A full-time person has an intense desire, an intense desire for gospel work. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. If a person desires, gets zealous after 
the office of a bishop. He desires a good thing. You got to have passion. If you don't have passion and a call and a desire that's intense and all-consuming and you can't stop thinking about Jesus and the Word, then you've got something. You've got something there if you have that inside of you. A full-time person has that intense desire. Um, I would say this. A full-time person potentially has, has this. They have a full-time call to the Word of God. 1 Timothy chapter 5, 17 and 18 you know, the, the guys and, and, and individuals that labor under the Word of God, they labor in it, they want it, they, 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 they desire it so much, you can see it in their lives. Um, they have a full-time call to the Word. I think that's another characteristic. Um, I would say, not only when you're called to the Word of God, you're called to have fruit in your ministry. I think that's another thing to look for, is fruit. Um, Jeremiah 23, um, 21 and 22, Jeremiah talks about how these, these prophets are running out all over the earth and they're, and they're sharing messages and God's like, I didn't send them. I didn't send them. You know, they're, they're saying all these things, but there's no fruit in their ministry. And I think if you're going to be committed to the word of God and you're potentially called to serve God in that full-time capacity, I think there needs to be fruit in your life. Like there has to be fruit. Long before you ever get into a uh, a paid circumstance or some sort of position in that way. There needs to be fruit in your life. Here's what Spurgeon says. He says, How are they sent of God who bring no men to God? Prophets whose words are powerless, sowers whose seed all withers, fishers who take no fish, soldiers who give no wounds. Are these God's men? Surely it is better to be a mudraker or a chimney sweep than to stand in the ministry as an utterly barren tree. It's a big-time quote from Spurgeon. Um, as we finish up here, a full-time person has a full-time submission to the chief shepherd. A full-time person, a characteristic of their life is that they are fully submitted to the chief shepherd, Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4. Um, a full-time person is an ambassador, an ambassador hand-selected by his king. And that's in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. You can see that that an ambassador is one who takes news for his king. Now, all of us as Christians are ambassadors, for sure. We are ambassadors for our king. But even more so in a, in a characteristic of a called person, they are full-time, on-the-go ambassadors in every moment. A full-time person is also working out a God-received ministry. And that's Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, where Paul says that his, his ministry wasn't received by men, it was received by God. And so here's just some final things just to think about practically for you this week. Um, and potentially, this might not be you. You might say, hey, I don't feel called to full-time ministry. Probably everybody in here knows someone who is thinking about full-time ministry. Probably some, you probably know somebody in your circle of connection. So even if this is not for you, um, please pass this along to someone who it's for. Um, so here's some practical things, and then we'll close up. If you think you're called to full-time ministry, I would encourage you to keep your desires to yourself for a season. I would encourage you to just get alone with God, fast, pray, think, read the scriptures, and continue to seek God. Keep it between you and, Lord, and the Lord for a time. Um, secondly, I'd encourage you to talk to your pastors about such desires. Um, Pastor Pat, Pastor Dave Heisterkamp up at Lakeside Fellowship in Polk City, these guys pulled me aside um, at the age of 25, which is 11 years ago, and fasted and prayed with me. 
And they invested in me and they helped me understand what God was up to in my life. I was thinking about church planting, but I was thinking maybe even global missions and I didn't know how it all was going to work out. And Pat and Dave, they just, you know, they pulled me aside and we started praying. That was huge for me. Talk to your pastors about your desires. Don't run around like a rogue vagabond, just like, like self-perpetuating your ministry. Talk to the individuals who are actually doing it and get their counsel. And I would add, listen. Listen to the counsel of others. And even if it's a no, you're not called to ministry. Like if Pat gets in your face and says, no, that could sting, but listen, please listen. Um, your pastor shared a rebuke to me early on in the church planting process at, at Living Waters. And he, he said, Josh, you need to be receiving rebuke. And that was a hard thing. And he quoted Psalm 141, which said, let the righteous hit me. Let them strike me on the head. It's a kindness to me. And I'm like, that doesn't feel so kind, Pat. You know, it hurt at the time, but it was really good. It's really good for my soul. And so you need to listen to the counsel, and it's really served me well over the years. And, and finally, just seek the Lord. Seek the Lord, and I would encourage you to fast and pray uh, in concert with other people that love and care for you to see if you, indeed God has called you to full-time ministry. And eventually, you got to go for it. At some point, you got to go. If God's calling you to be um, a missionary, a pastor, some sort of awesome nonprofit ministry worker, um, at some point, you got to go. So... Hopefully that helps. I'm going to close us up in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for your grace. We love you. And Lord, I pray for this crowd. God, your word is so awesome and so good. And Lord, I don't know who you're calling. You might be calling someone as unlikely as I was, Lord, to, to serve you with their life. And Lord, I pray that you would help make it clear to those who are called. I pray that you would um, absolutely um, give wisdom and discernment, Lord, to everybody in here. And Lord, Jesus, you were the ultimate missionary. You were the ultimate full-time guy. And Lord, you laid your life down on the cross for our sins. And Lord, we just pray that if there's anybody here who doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, that they would see your amazing all-out sacrifice on the cross and resurrection. And that even tonight, they would believe for the first time and be saved. And so Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.